the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's very nerdy edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, a subscription based sports news site delivering in depth sports coverage for real sports fans. Get detailed coverage of all the trades with the NBA trade deadline coming and the NHL trade deadline not too far away. All the free agent signings, anything left in baseball, there's plenty to come, I think. Plenty to come, especially trades. And all the expert analysis from Kenny Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre LeBron, and plenty more. Join today. Use SpotTrack, excuse me, theathletic.com slash SpotTrack 40 off. Get 40% off your yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash SpotTrack 40 off. Hello, my name is Mike Giannetti. It's Thursday afternoon. We are going to dive into a little football and a little basketball. We're going to bring in Scott Allen to talk a little bit about the Zion debut and kind of flash forward to uh, some uncharted territory with some financials for what could be coming for Zion and maybe how they can protect that, those financials a little bit too in New Orleans. Uh, but in terms of football, I'm going to switch it up a little bit today. Generally, this time of year, what I do is I have a big nerdy dead cap show where I break down what is dead cap? What does it mean? Um, you know, how does it work with trades? How does it work with cutting a guy as we lead up to this March free agency where chips that fall so quickly, it's really hard to keep up with it. So, um, generally what I do is I try to educate and, and just refresh everybody with how that works, but it's all different this year. It's a, it's a whole different enchilada this year with how things are going to work because, we are in a CBA expiring year. We're in a contract year for the NFL, and that comes with a lot of caveats. So what I want to do is I want to just quickly run through things that are specific to this offseason alone for the NFL. Now, all of this assumes that a, a new CBA isn't going to be ratified in time for free agency, the free agency season and all that stuff in the franchise tag uh, window. Um, I'm going to assume there's not going to be a new one because even though I hear things are progressing, I can't imagine that you know, all the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed in time to really get this thing done before the season kicks in here. So I, uh, I think it's good news for the CBA, and I think some of the changes I'm starting to hear are positive. Certainly we're not going to see all the changes that we've talked about, but uh, I don't think it's going to affect this next, the next you know, six to eight weeks when NFL teams will be getting themselves ready for 2020. So let's assume that there's no new CBA and that we are in the expiration year which means a couple of really big things. Number one, let's go to dead cap. I've talked about it before, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page with it because we've updated the site a little bit to reflect this. Um, generally speaking, the, the buzzword with dead cap is the post-June 1st. Right? That's the phrase that we talk about a lot because it, it's a way for, number one, if you want to designate a release as a post-June 1st designation, you can do that March 18th, Right, right when the new league year starts, you know the. Uh, let's just give you an example. The uh, the Vikings will be able to cut Xavier Rhodes, or would be able to cut Xavier Rhodes March in March. Designated June first, he would remain on their salary cap until June second, and then the dead cap that remains on his deal would split off between 2020 and 2021. So there'd be additional savings in 2020 for the Minnesota Vikings by designating him a a June 1st cut. Uh, That can't happen. That can't happen. And it's a pretty easy reason why. All of these changes that we're going to talk about right now are because we really don't know what's going to happen with the new CBA in for 2021, right? It's a total unknown. We don't know if they're going to remove the hard cap. We don't know if there's going to be a luxury tax situation built in. We don't know anything in terms of the compliance of the financials going forward. So we, you can't build a contract now or extend a contract now or push dead cap into a year where we don't really know how it's all going to work. So everything that happens in the next couple of months is going to have to be accounted for in 2020 because that's really all we know of. It's the only, you know, the only season that we know exactly how the finances can work. So keep that in mind as I sort of explain these updates. That's the reason for it. We just... We have to get rid of the pushing things down the line conversation for at least a year until the new CBA gets ratified and we can go from there. Um, so dead cap is going to live in 2020, all right? No matter when you trade somebody, no matter when you cut somebody, uh, you're going to take it all on right now. So that's why players like Matthew Stafford are going nowhere. That's why, you know, anybody with a significant amount of dead cap, that's why Todd Gurley, boy, it's going to be really tough 
to move on from Todd Gurley. Now, a trade can do it, you know, if you can find a trade partner to take on that contract and the salaries that go with it. But it's just going to be a lot tougher because, you know, in a normal cap year this decade, this past decade, you would have waited until June 2nd, June 5th, process that trade, and then you, the Rams, take on, you know, a split dead cap situation where 2020 is one, is one part of it and 2021 would be the rest. And it's just a much more tenable situation for the team. Now, look, this sounds like a drastic change where all the dead cap has to come into this year. <clears throat> Two things. Number one, teams have just gotten, gotten a heck of a lot smarter with this cap stuff. All right, you can find cap space pretty much anywhere. Nobody really gets themselves in trouble anymore. They just don't. Now, there's a couple of bad contracts out there that are making teams look bad, but that's fine. What there also are is, is tons of cap space. There's tons. All right, now, I don't think we're going to get to the 100 million mark, mark like we had last year with a couple of teams, but every team, with the, with the exception of the Vikings right now, are in pretty good shape. I mean, pretty much everybody can handle their draft pool and their restricted tenders and all that stuff. Many teams are, are talking franchise tags, which is a significant cap hit, of course. Uh, everybody's really in a good spot, and one of the reasons for that, you know, they've been rolling this cap over year by year here and, and saving some away for this year specifically because of this reasoning. There's no more pushing it down the line. They've got to take it right now. Any moves, any moves they make, you know, especially the significant moves, any, anyone that needs to get released, Tremaine Johnson for the Jets, significant release, but I think it's time. They're going to take on a sizable dead cap hit to do that. And it's all going to be in 2020. There's no, there's no getting around that this year. Uh, but teams have been preparing for it. So don't, don't freak out too much. Your team's going to be just fine. They're, they're in good cap shape right now for the most part. Um, and like I said, there's always ways to, to open up cap. Um, so that's the one big change. All your trades, all your releases, those kind of things, the dead cap's going to live in 2020. All right? And just to counter that, to make it a little easier on you, if you go to a player, if you go to Tremaine Johnson on Track right now and you hit the little red X next to his 2020 salary, which gives you the information about cutting and releasing and all that, and trading him, we've completely wiped out the post-June 1st trade or release information. It says not available in 2020. Um, and it's because of this, of course. I, I don't even want it available on the website right now because it's, you know, it's just, it's not possible. So I don't want to confuse anybody and uh, get it in the way. We'll bring that back in 2021, assuming things are the same, and we'll go from there. But for this year, it's just the pre-6-1 information you have to worry about that's the trade and release uh financials that you got to deal with this year all right so that's number one um let's move on a little bit here there's probably three or four points i want to make here and i'll try to make them as quickly as possible in the same regard um many many players have incentives built into their contract um and we, tr we do our best to try to outline and, and detail those on the site as well um here's how those work so for instance aaron Rodgers has a pretty decent set of passing stat incentives built into his contract. Only, only one of which he hit in, 20, in 2019, by the way. So I believe there were four or five that he did not hit. So here's how this works. The, the stat that he did hit, and I believe it was something to do with interception rate. Um, that stat, I believe it's $100,000 that he gained. I'm going to look right now, actually. Excuse me. He earned, yes, he earned one of, of, of five potential stat incentives and it was the, the interception percentage he did not make he was not top three in passer rating in completion percentage in yards per attempt or in touchdown passes this year so we've got one two three four five total stats at a hundred thousand each he made one of them this year that means one of them the hundred one hundred thousand dollars will be likely to be earned in 2020 it's already written into his contract where we've already added it on his contract okay the other 400,000 are not likely to be earned. The past decade, how that's worked is, let's say he is top three in passer rating in 2020 and he earns an extra $100,000 next year. After the year, right, the Packers would be credited with $100,000, excuse me, they would lose $100,000 of 2021 cap per the adjustment, right? Because they had to pay out 100 grand to Aaron Rodgers when he met that incentive. So they lose that amount of cap in 2021. That's how it's been working. But like I said, because we're on the expiration year and there's no pushing things forward to next year, as soon as Aaron Rodgers is top three in passer rating or in touchdown passes, whatever, whatever incentive he hits, as soon as he hits the incentive, 
the $100,000 is added to the 2020 cap. It is paid out to Aaron Rodgers, and, and, it is, and the cap hits the Packers' 2020 salary cap. So all year long, as, as markers are hit or not hit, there's a lot of de-escalation as well built into some of these contracts. Um, as soon as something happens that would, that would change the cap, right, that would alter the, the salary cap of a player and a team, it will hit the 2020 cap this year. So that's a big change as well. There's no more pushing it down to the next year, no more adjustments for 2021. We're going to see how that works when we see the new CBA. But keep in mind, any of those things that are hit during the year, they're going to hit the cap immediately. So teams will have to keep, you know, a pocket of cap available in the event that their incentives hit because they're going to impact them right away. So that's another big change heading into the 2020 league year. And there's a few more. Um, the vo- Generally speaking, one, one, I guess one of the buzzier things that teams have been doing for honest reasons is putting in dummy years to contracts. We've seen it more and more. It's been around forever. It's not new. It's just for a lot of teams, it's a new shiny toy to play with, right? It's always been there. Many, many teams have been reluctant to do it to do it because they don't like to push dead cap down the line, but that's essentially what we're doing here. Um, so now the, the, new, the new way to handle it is not to make it a dummy year, right, but to make it an option year because option years can turn, if they're declined, can turn into compensatory draft picks, a loophole that many of the better teams have been using for quite a few years now. That's the Jarrell Rivas structure essentially, right? Um, and the Patriots have used it plenty of times since that contract. So got to be careful this year. Like I said, um, when you when you stretch out a signing bonus over two real years and two dummy years, generally it would just be if the player leaves after two years, the dead cap from their last two years just kind of rolls out. Uh, that won't be the case. That will not be the case because essentially if you're declining an option, you would be, be declining it before the next year league year hits. Right, You're declining the ability to go into another league year with that player. What that means is you will be rolling back the dead cap into 2020 because there is no push forward dead cap this year. So teams have to be very careful with how they write some of these contracts that have the funny language of, well, if we want him next year, we'll just deal with it next year. There's no dealing with it next year if you say no. If you say no, I believe what's going to happen is that money's going to roll back into 2020 and you better have enough to cover it, right? You better have enough to cover that too. So there's a lot of new accounting for these GMs and, and, and their assistants this year. They've got to really have a balloon, a, a bucket of cap ready for their incentives, for their option years, for their void years, things like that that could come back into the 2020 salary cap at, at, at a moment's notice. Um, so just another thing to think about when you see some of these contracts that are written in the offseason, um, because this for this reason and for the reason I'm about to talk about now you're going to see some different sort of contracts. You're not going to see standard, you know, big big signing bonus, you know, small small first two-year salaries with big salaries at the end of the contract. You're not going to see that this year, and here's why. There's an element called the 30% rule, and it's been around. It's been written to the CBA for a while now, and it's very impacted right now in the expiration year, okay? <clears throat> the 30% rule will impact two big, big things. Number one is contracts okay new contracts and and it's it's basically this simple okay a player's salary in 2020 and i'm not talking about signing bonus proration okay so if it's a 10 million dollar signing bonus on a five-year contract that's two million of cap per year that part stays out i'm talking base salary roster bonus uh option bonus uh whenever that kicks in workout bonus okay those types of things i'm talking cash in that year Add that up in 2020, the remaining years of the contract cannot increase more than 30%, okay? So just quickly do the math on whatever compensation a player is going to make in 2020. There's, you can't go in – let me give you the reason why this is happening. Number one, we don't know anything about 2021. Like I said, we have no idea how the cap's going to work in 2021 going forward. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is – of course, this stops a team from signing someone to a $100 million contract, putting $10 million in year one, and putting $10 million in year two, right? And then $80 million into the next three years. You can't do any funny money contracts right now, right? You can't, you can't do any crazy backloaded fluff contracts in a year where the CBA is about to expire. 
So you're going to see a lot of really nice one-year deals. Teams have cap space. Teams are going to use cap space because we don't know if that cap rollover is going to exist anymore. That's, a, that's another element to, to, I want to bring up in this conversation, and I brought it up a bunch on the show. We really don't know if the NFL is going to allow teams to roll over unused cap into the next year going forward. Uh, like I said, teams have been kind of building up cap space year by year by year. It's kind of like your old uh, AT&T cell plan, right? Where, you know, you purposely didn't use 80% of your minutes so you could roll them over into the next month. And then by, the, by you know, 12 months on your contract, you had 47,000 minutes to use. Um, we're at that point now with teams and cap space. There's just a lot. There's a lot of teams that have a lot of cap space and they're just not getting used. There's no possible way to use it. I mean, the, especially in free agency when, you know, we're seeing less and less impactful players hit the market. You just, it's not, it's not customary for teams to go out and spend that kind of cap anymore in the free agent market. So, uh, again, teams are going to spend in 2020 and they're going to do so, I think, on one-year deals. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of one-year deals pretty sizable one-year deals. And to that breath, I think we're going to see a lot of franchise tags and possibly a lot of transition tags, which is a whole other element to talk about here because it's the ex- an expiring CBA. Teams now have the option to use a franchise tag and a transition tag, right? Not two franchise tags, not two transition tags, but one in one. They can use both in this year specifically. That has not been the case in previous years. We have no idea going forward. But for this year alone, as long as there's not a new CBA signed soon, teams will be able to designate. The, the Cowboys can, can, can give a franchise tag to Dak Prescott and then give a transition tag to Byron Jones or Amari Cooper, whoever they want, who's expiring right now. Uh, you know, Tennessee can franchise tag Ryan Tannehill and transition tag Derrick Henry. So there you go. Uh, a couple of teams that probably will benefit from this greatly for two reasons. Number one, like I said, it's available. You can use one, one of each this year. And number two, because one-year deals probably sound about right right now because we're up against the CBA and you, don't, you, you can't backload contracts because of the 30% rule. So, you know, unless teams are dying to front-load a contract, which the 49ers would love to do, they would love to keep doing that. It's worked out phenomenally for them. But unless other teams really want to do that, if the, if the Cowboys want to front-load a, a contract for Dak Prescott and get it done on a multi-year deal, go and do it. But the 30% rule still has to, has to apply. Okay, so it can't be crazy front loaded, can't be one for 40 and three for 100 after that. It's got to be, it's got to comply with the 30% increase. It can't be more than 30% increase on a player's salary in any year of the deal. So, because of that restriction and everything else we've mentioned here, I just don't think we're going to see a rash of multi year contracts. Look for a lot of one year deals, look for that franchise tag to be used heavily. And for teams that can do it, look for the, both a, ta- a franchise and a transition tag to be used. Um, it's just, I think, how it's going to roll this year. So let's get ready for it. It's going to be somewhat boring, I think. One more thing, and it's with the, th- with the 30% rule. Another thing that has been growing and growing and growing and growing is, p- is teams' use of the restructure. Real quick on the restructure, this is generally how it, how it happens. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has a... $12 million roster bonus in 2020. I'm just spitballing here. I, I, I don't exactly know what he has. I know he's got a decent amount of money coming his way, but let's say it's a $12 million roster bonus. Pittsburgh needs to save some space, so they take that bonus and they convert it into a signing bonus, which let's say he's got three years left on that deal. Now you've got, instead of $12 million of cap, now you've got three, four, and four, and four over the next three. So you've saved yourself $8 million in cap. Excuse me. <clears throat> Over the, over the next three, right? Or, or in 2020. Sounds great. Teams have done it forever. Convert a roster bonus, convert a salary into signing bonus, prorate it over the remaining years of the deal, maybe even add some dummy years so you can get your full five-year proration. Pretty standard operating procedure for the last couple of years leading up to now. But it's 2020. The CBA is expiring. The 30% rule is intact, and the 30% rule does apply to the restructure, okay? Because salary is salary. So if you add salary to 2020, right, or if you add salary to other years, everything has to be in compliance with the 30%. So you can't just take $15 million from 2020 and push it down the line. You just can't do it, okay? you got to comply. There's going to be a mathematical way to do it to save yourself some cap, but it's not going to be that much. There's not going to be massive restructures on these contracts in 2020 because they have to be in compliance. 
that's a big reason why we saw about 15 to 20 contract restructures right before the end of that regular season in 2019. Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, a bunch of those players. Okay, some big, big restructures kicked in right before the, the, the season ended so that they could get it done and not have to worry about this restriction. Um, we're here now, though. We're here. Um, so the restructures that we've seen in the past, and we've seen dozens on, on an annual basis, uh, we might still see them to that degree, but they're going to be smaller finances. Okay, you're going to see kind of nickel and dime restructures versus tens of tens and twenties. Okay, um, teams are still going to have to do it because there's going to be some teams that are up against it. Like I said, the Vikings are in trouble right now as it is, so there's going to be some releases and some probably minor restructures. But uh, keep be, be mindful of that when you're playing with the roster tool on, on Spot Track or or just kind of spitballing with your friends on Twitter. Uh, it's not as easy as it used to be to just kind of take some uh, take some salary, convert it to bonus, and, and open up nine, ten million dollars of cap. Uh, that's not going to be possible, and stay compliant in 2020. All right. So we shall see how that works. Uh, I know that was a lot. I know that was crazy nerdy. I wanted to get it all out there um, because it's just a different animal this year. It's going to be you know how we talk about it, how things happen, how teams operate, how teams are planning and game planning for this how they're allocating some of their cap dollars right now to prepare for the incentives to, you know, not have to do a restructure. And some of those extensions we think might be coming, like a Mahomes or a Cousins. Uh, they're just going to have to wait. They're just going to have to wait. You, you don't want to have to pigeonhole those kind of contracts into the 30%, I don't believe. Certainly not Mahomes. Uh, but even a guy like Cousins, the only reason you're extending a Cousins contract is to give yourself some cap freedom and that's not going to be really super possible with what the 30% rule would provide. So just be mindful of it. Uh, it's not going to be cut and dry and easy like it has been in the past couple of years. But don't be too crazy worried either. So many teams are in good cap shape right now, and they've been preparing for this, and, and they've gotten smarter with everything. So keep an eye on things. We'll keep updating as we know it. Um, we'll point out some of these little indicators as they come up, especially with the franchise tags, like, which should be coming in a couple of weeks here. Like I said, I think a couple of teams will benefit from that one in one one franchise tag, one transition tag. But we will certainly be on that, all right? Let's, uh, let's switch gears here and talk some basketball. Let's bring in resident NBA salary cap expert, Scott Allen, it's here to talk about some men, some women, a lot of money, uh, a lot of potential money. I think uh, let's start with the WNBA. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. A uh, couple weeks late here, but I was, uh, I was out of town on my A here, so... I, I want to make sure we get to this. The WNBA had a pretty nice league announcement um, that they've ratified a new CBA, and with it comes really nice improvements in terms of the financials, the benefits, things like that. Um, I made sure to get it out there on Twitter. I know many of the major media markets did as well. Um, you know, I, the, I mean, the numbers don't stand out because – you and I live in a pool of big numbers with the NBA and the NFL and, and Major League Baseball, of course. We have to be careful with referencing these things, right, and comparing because it's just, I mean, this is a brand new league still. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. When did this? When did the WNBA start, Scott? Mm, <laughs> it, it, is it 15 in the 90s, years now? Yeah. It, I think, yeah, in the 90s. Is it 25 years? Mm, yeah, pretty close, I think. This is what worth is looking it? up. This is worth looking up. Six, is it? 1997. My goodness. Okay, but still, um, it's just not fair. I mean, this thing is essentially bankrolled by the NBA. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think um, I believe the owners have to put in uh, a stake to the, to the, the WMEA to keep the thing afloat, which you can understand. It's just, look, it doesn't have TV. It doesn't have streaming money. I mean, it's got some TV, and I believe that's getting better this year. But without that, no league can survive. Look what happened with the the AF, right? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, the uh, but if you remember the, the NBA itself when it first got going, yes, they they weren't profitable in the beginning either. They so, were a small market league. Yeah, well, I think the WNBA did the right thing. They they increased the salaries. I mean, we're talking. Uh, maximum salary is 117,000 plus the marquee players can, uh, get additional incentives, which can boost their salaries up to over two, uh, right? Uh, uh, over two, up to f almost half a million dollars. So a lot of in 
increased money in there. It, it rises the average up to about 130,000, according to some of the estimates that are out there. Um, so it, it, it's a great win for both the the players and ownership. Yep. Uh, they're, they're, they're sort of pushing all their chips in and saying, Let, let's move forward with this and make it, uh, make it work extremely long-term like the NBA has. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and just to keep going here, I, one of the things they added, which, um, I know it got a lot of flack when it came out was fully paid maternity leave, which you yeah. can imagine how that's important. Now, listen, I want to, I want to clear this up a little bit they, they did of course offer paid maternity leave in the, in the previous CBA. This is the change that was made. That was some prorated version of, of pay. This is full salary. Whatever your salary is Correct. for a year, you can take the year, get the sale, or take a six months about it, whatever it is. I, I don't know the semantics of the timeline. I imagine it would be for the whole season. Um, and there were, this was a big point of contention. There were, there were big time superstars sitting out because they wanted to start a family. And right. And on top of it, that they've increased money for yeah, childcare, uh, for, for childcare, fertility. If, um, they're looking to adopt or do yeah. some kind of surrogacy. Uh, so they've really increased the incentives for, uh, the, the NBA or WNBA players to, well, let me tell you, the, let me tell you the model. Their- this is Scott. The, the model of this is the big tech companies. The big tech mm-hmm. companies came in, and obviously, the you know, there's a plenty of money to go around. But one of the things they did, and I'm sure it was, you know, as much of a PR move as it was just good logic sense, was they really took care of pregnant uh, female workers. They just did, and and to be quite honest, they took care of the husbands as well who worked there. Okay, um, that's that's a big part of it. It was a big part of the big tech companies was compensating. Paid, paid leave, paid paternity and maternity. Uh, they sort of set the new model for how this thing has to work in this current generation. And I'm, I'm happy to see that the WNBA certainly stepped up to the plate on this one. Yeah. On top of that, uh, they have help with uh, traveling accommodations, hotel, That's a big flights. Got to bring them with um, you. Yeah. So the athletic, if you really are into wanting to know more about this CBA, they have a great article, but the athletic has a podcast called the lead and they, uh, on January 21st, it was all about the CPA. And one of the, the lady that was reporting on it, she gave a great, uh, connotation with, with flights. Some of these players who are extremely tall, they were having to sit with no extra leg room and they were dealing with uh, hotel accommodations where they had to flip the bill themselves. So now the, the league is flipping the bill for the hotel. They're helping with flights and making sure that the players have uh, a, the accommodations that they need for, for leg room or paying for those flights. So that's another huge uh, help on their end. So they're not having to, pay out of pocket for some of these things. Yeah. It's all good news. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's, like I said, it's not, the, the numbers aren't eye popping. I think you said, well, about 130 is going to be the, uh, the average salary. Some of those superstars should get themselves up to quarter million, maybe a half million in some cases. Yeah. Um, the reporter, the reporter made an indication that the amount of increase for some of these marquee should help where they may not need to offset and go overseas to play basketball if they didn't want to. And we've had so a show, we've had a show just all about that because that's, that's not good for American basketball that no, they can go elsewhere and do better and make a better living, make a real living. Um, you know, it's fine. It's good for them. You know, go, go make your money, go play your ball. But if the, if this league wants to survive, they've got to keep their superstars here on a full-time basis. They need them training like, like the other professional athletes are training in facilities that, that you know, mm-hmm. help them stay healthy, improve longevity, all those things. Uh, that's just a big part of it. So uh, yeah. this is a step in the right the, direction. No question. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll mention is that I think the revenue sharing was at like 20 percent that yeah. the players received by 2021. Yeah, good point. They're going to be they're going to be at 50 50. So that's a huge uh, uh aspect that this CBA 
brought in. Uh, so it's going to tier up to to 2021 where it'll be 50 percent 50 50 and look that it sounds like the players were getting a, a raw deal and they were but you have to understand that you know a new league you know think about it, you start a business you can't give all the employees the an equal amount of share to start you just can't do that you've got to you got to put more in the petty you know in the petty pot so that you know things you're not thinking about or disasters or emergencies you have that kind of money that's the same thing with the WNBA. I mean, they took their lumps for the first 10, 15 years, of course, and they just didn't have the, the, the TV revenue streaming in, the advertising revenue streaming in like many of the bigger leagues we, we, we watch every day. So, you know, you can understand how the split was, was one-sided for all this time. Uh, but, you know, what did we say, 23 years this is now? The 23rd year? It's certainly time for the players to even it out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, and it's good to see it. it. It'll be 25, it, it, yeah. And it, it's great to see the uh, increase in women's basketball. I mean, we just they mm-hmm. saw that ESPN is covering college basketball, the women's tournament outright, and I guess prime it won't time. be won't be localized. It'll yeah. be prime time. So we're seeing um, a stake in women's basketball, which is which is good to see. I mean, for me, I I, I was able to watch quite a few of the. Uh, uh, Mystics games and I mean it, it's good basketball when you sit down and watch well, it. Well, when you can compare the Mystics to the Wizards right now, I, mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think really. most people in the DC area are watching women's basketball. Um, all right, good, that's good. We'll we'll keep up on that as certainly as uh, as things continue to change. And uh, you know, I'm going to keep working on getting this next slate of salaries in so we have our WNBA data up to up to snuff. Uh, but we'll keep up with that for sure. But let's switch to the to the to the men. Uh, and to one of the one of the bigger, badder men in, that we've ever seen in the NBA. Of course, Zion Williamson had his debut last night. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon here. Um, did you stay up for it? I because you I had to stay to, up all the way. <laughs> I to be, I'll be honest. I made it to halftime. I figured. I I caught the uh, the highlights when I woke up, and <laughs> I mean, it was just. It, it, in the beginning, you could tell that he was he was hesitant. Yeah. He was he was not moving around. He was sort of unsure. And by the second quarter, you could definitely tell he was getting a little more acclimated to the flow. And then watching the highlights for the for the fourth quarter, I mean, were just unbelievable. It, it's how else do you describe it? But it's almost like somebody got into his ear and said, "Time to go," <laughs> and then he well, just turned it on. Well, I was listening to the Woj pod today and it was all about Zion. He interviewed him after and yeah. uh, Gentry and Griffin. And uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what had happened. The players said, all right, fourth quarter, just go. You need to be aggressive. You need to be out there. Do your thing. And they sort of let him go. And that's what happened. All right. Let's let's do some ridiculous foreshadowing now. OK, because. <laughs> Look at he's you know he's locked into this rookie contract, which is a two plus two, right? Two guaranteed years and two club options, right? Um, and similar to the NFL, after that third year, he's available for an extension. We saw a slew of them this year with uh, the Ben Simmons. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I know there are three, at least four or five this year, right? Maybe yeah. more. Um, Jamal Murray. There you go. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. You know, generally speaking, every major rookie gets extended after the third year, even Joel Embiid, who we'll get to here in a second. Um, So it's safe to say that after the 22 season, Zion's going to be getting paid. Um, Look, the the announcers last night, all the radio shows, we're, we're, we're all sort of aware of the injury history of Zion Williamson, right? Mm-hmm. Knee injury in high school, obviously the foot injury at Duke. Um, and now this in the NBA before he even gets started, it, it's pretty, you've got to put him in the injury prone column right now. You have to. And, and, in, and in saying that, you know, the next two and a half years now are going to be all eyeballs on him. Not, not only because we think he's going to be one of the top 10 players of the league, but because, you know, is he one injury away from this thing sort of crashing down? Mm. Let, I guess let's say he gets there. Let's say he gets to the third, uh, the fourth year. We're in the off season of the, of the fourth season. He's ready for his rookie extension. What are the, some of the things that can be done? And I, and I want to reference back to Joel Embiid because I believe the Sixers did a pretty nice job with this. 
what are the, some of the things that can be written into the contract to protect New Orleans going forward? Yeah, so what they did with Joel Embiid was they put in some injury protections where they can sort of save money if they needed to waive him ahead of time based on certain injuries. So in his case, it's specifically any injuries dealing with back and feet that they can, uh, if he misses 25 games or more and plays fewer than 1,600 minutes uh, due to those back and feet injuries, they can waive and reduce that guaranteed amount that they would owe Embiid. So, and out of all the contracts that I've put in over the years, this is one of the most detailed dealing with injuries. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like this uh, as specific with the injury that the Sixers did with him. It's essentially insurance policies, right? I mean, there, yeah, there's, really there's is. basically milestones built in to there, ensure a certain amount of money, right? Right. So if for some reason, uh, say he goes down and blows his knee out or blows a foot out or something yeah. right now and misses the, the remaining games of the season, technically they could waive him and reduce his uh, guaranteed amount for uh, the remainder of the contract or just the current year? Uh, it would reduce the amount. So he has a total of $147 million throughout the whole contract. Right. If something happened and they needed to waive him after this season, they would only owe him a total of 98. 98. Yeah. 98. So they, they can save. So they're rolling guarantees essentially. They are. Okay. They are. Okay. Yeah. And it's all based on now in his injury. Now right. his injury right now is with his hand or his finger. I was just going to say that doesn't count. This is going to be like a soccer game, right? If he goes down and he knows it's his foot, he's going to grab his head, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, my head hurts. Right. <laughs> I mean, that would be, that would be a smart thing for him to do. And his agent is probably telling him yeah, right. that it's going to turn into freaking <laughs> Dr. Oz though. in that, in that facility, they're going to interview. They're going to X-ray every little inch to find. To you know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about the potential of what fifty to sixty million saved after this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at no. I'm not rooting for the guy to get hurt. I'm just saying, as things play out, um, these kind of specific prote protections, they're just it's just good business. It's well, just I good business, right? It is, and I think you may see more of this happen as teams get smarter with the injuries. Yeah. And I, I, and you obviously brought this up with Zion because of his recent history with the, the knee and then what happened to Duke. And uh, so I, I, if we're projecting forward, yeah, I could absolutely see something like this being put into an extension when and if that happens for him because – if something else, say the knee persists and he has another injury or uh, it's consistent with a knee or a foot or an ankle sure. or something like that, I could definitely see them going this route to protect themselves, but he can still get paid as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, does he agree to that? I don't know. The problem, I think the problem New Orleans might face is does he really want to be in New Orleans? <laughs> Well, well, that too. And the, and the other thing is New Orleans is putting in so much time with making him uh -huh. relearn how to walk, fix his, his, uh, uh, the way he lands. Uh, they've really spent teaching him that. how to shoot threes, right? Well, that too. But it sounds like from everything I've read and heard that these extra time days and weeks that from December when he was supposed to quote unquote have come back. Uh, they've actually spent all this extra time really trying to work with the trainer and making sure he knows how mm -hmm. to land correctly, how to refix uh, the way he walks. So he doesn't have that wobble. Mm -hmm. um, so they're putting a huge investment in him right now because they know they have them locked in for at least the next four years, barring any trade that ends up happening. Yeah. But you're right. He could say, no, I don't want to sign the extension and go somewhere else. If he chose, especially, to. I guess what I'm saying is, especially if they've got all these conditions built in, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if we do a, a, an extreme rudimentary 
projection, I mean, we're talking uh, f- five years, $188 million or so uh, uh, based on the 25% max. If for some reason he's healthy for the next three years and has lights out and per- wins an MVP or has all NBA uh, towards the back end of this contract, he could be eligible for the 30% max uh, five years, 225 million dollars. So, I mean, a lot of money at stake in three, four years when he's eligible for doing that. Um, but like you said, they could throw in, uh, these stipulations and, uh, he may, he may bet on himself and say, all right, I'll accept that or not accept it and move on. Uh, Time will tell. So let's uh, just for, just for numbers sake, cause we're a numbers show. Let's say everything goes right. Let's say he's back-to-back All-NBA leading up to this extension. He gets the 5 for 225, whatever it's going to be at that point. And obviously, that's all based on how, how much the, the league salary cap increases, of course. So we can't yeah, certainly right. know that. Um, let's say it's $225 million over five years. Um, you've got him at 2 for 20 right now with projections of looks like 10 more. 23 more 24 more so you've got them at four for 44 right now mm-hmm. so we're talking 44 plus 225 million we're talking about a nine-year career with 275 million yeah i'd be okay <laughs> with that yeah i, I would do I, I don't know if i'd play anymore after that would you no i mean you're in He'd be that 20 nine years, years old in that nine-year span, you're making uh, just as much as guys that are, are right now. I mean, Zion's <laughs> going to make five hundred million dollars if he plays fourteen, fifteen years. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's going to make five hundred million dollars. Yeah, it, it, That's with crazy. how with how these caps move up. I mean, and you have to think if for some reason after that he wants to play five more years after that who knows where the league is going to be where the cap's going to be and all of that i mean 275 million would if that is all he made i mean he would be up there with the uh, upper echelon of all these career earnings that we're talking about <laughs> yeah i mean depending on who can come with him i think Giannis has a chance to be up there for sure i mean, but, I mean but Zion's only 19 right now if I mean, someone, him and Doncic, right, are going to have to be the breadwinners at some point here. It, it two hundred and seventy-five million. If everything ended right now, two hundred seventy-five million would put him at fifth overall all time. Obviously, yeah. That you have to. There's a cavalry of Harden. people coming. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I get that. You have Hardens and Westbrooks and uh, Curry yeah. and clay thompson and all those guys coming behind but i'm i'm bringing that up just as a reference with all the guys that have already came through right i guess i guess my point is scott though i i think just doing some quick math in my head i think this year right now if you're 19 and drafted high in the first round like zion was here and you play a normal 12 to 14 year career i think you're going to be a 500 million dollar (laughs) player that's crazy yeah that is, is crazy, but we're at that point in the NBA. That's the numbers we're talking about in the NBA. We're going to have $45, well, and, $46 million a year coming. Yeah, and that's with him having to do a one-and-one. One. I mean, if this one-and-one right. uh, one goes away and high school players can come in, I mean, we're back to, you know, uh, with Garnett's and Kobe Bryant. have 17-year-olds, yes. Right, they're, they're coming in, and uh, they're they're getting an extra year out of it. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So, so yeah, I just wanted to speak to some of those injury protections. Obviously, there's other instances. I know we've talked about Kyrie Irving, who uh, I think many people forget. He's had some serious is- issues injury-wise. I, I mean, there was a time there in Boston they didn't know if he was going to return. Cleveland, too, right? He had an issue in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I think now – and now, obviously, he's, he's knocked up a little bit in Brooklyn just trying to return from that. Uh, but he's had some serious, I, I believe the surgeries he's had in his knee are not good. <laughs> They're complicated to some degree. Um, did Brooklyn do anything sort of to safeguard them from this? I don't think there's like the strict milestones that, that Embiid has, but did, did, does Kyrie Irving have, have any kind of protection built in? 
Yeah, he has some unlikely incentives uh, based on games played and then some other performance metrics. But the big thing is appearing in 70 or more regular season games, which he already has surpassed happening, right? (laughs) That that's not already, that's already not happening. Uh, He's missed too many games already. So those unlikely incentives will remain unlikely. Um, And so is that that's annual and that means he didn't max out. Correct. Correct. So this year he had a total of $1 million in unlikely incentives. And if for some reason he met some of those, then those would be Hmm. become part of the cap until uh, once they're likely. And then they would be likely across the remaining contract until they're not like I'm reading these right now. Holy cow. You got to make at least 2.83 pointers per game to get 125 grand this year. I mean, yeah. there's like 15 of these. This is great. I love this. See that it's annoying as heck to manage them in the NFL and in the Major League Baseball, but you just love to see it. It's just it's just good logical business. You know what I mean? It's it's probably a pain in the butt for the player, and I'm sure I'm sure for the agent. Neither of them want this. They just want the money. But you, you see stuff like this, especially this specific. You just understand it. Well, it's just look at we're all they, paying attention to these stats anyway. You might as well make some money baits off of them, right? Right. And they did it this way to help with getting DeAndre Jordan signed. So they had enough room. So that's why they did it this way. And it just happens to be that they're going to remain unlikely right now because he's had the injury issue. But on the flip side, it it is in in a sense, an injury protection on Brooklyn side built in without having to say it's based on foot or ankle or anything like that. Right. So if he played and he was able to get them, then great. But right now they're, they're staying unlikely. I think it would be a miracle if he played 70 games in any season. It just seems that, I mean, that's missing what 12 games. That's, that's just not likely, right? That's not likely for Kyrie Irving. No, I don't think so. I mean, he's only made 70 games twice in his career. Well, there you go. So that's, that's not going to be likely for a while. I don't think. All right. This was good. I uh, just wanted to touch base a little bit on Zion from our angle. Of course, the, the money angle, like I said, all these numbers we're throwing out here are just circumstance. We're just kind of basing things off of what we've seen recently. And you know, the cap's going to grow exponentially to some degree, but there's more TV money coming. There's a new CBA coming. They might reduce the schedule by then. There might be an <laughs> in, in season tournament by then. There's or a not. lot that can happen in three, <laughs> in three seasons before Zion has to get paid. So, yeah, um, you know, the cap is going to move accordingly. But that's sort of our basis, it, you know, compared to what has happened in the past two, three years. Right. Right. And just to throw this out there, the trade deadline, February 6th, we've already had a couple trades go through. Yeah. Um, so with some of these injuries that have been happening, we may see some movement here with with teams jockeying around real quick. Who needs it the most? I I'd vote for Boston. I think Boston needs one player. Who else? Uh, I think with Dwight Powell going down, sure. Dallas needs, uh, oh, they need a wing and now they're going to need a, a potential big guy here. Dallas forward, real? Cause if they're not real, then they should just, just do nothing. Right. I, I think they're real. Okay. I, I, I do think they're real. Uh, Porzingis just came back from an injury stint. So you've got to get him back into the flow. Yeah. Dwight Powell was playing really well, I know. Uh, but it, it, it's, that's a huge loss for them. I think they think they're for real. So I think they may make a move um, and, and go from there. I don't know if um, anyone else off the top of my head. Lakers got to I mean, do something, don't you think? I do. Yeah. I, I've heard potentially moving Rondo or something like that. Sure. Um, or maybe but yeah. Buying him out. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, the the other interesting thing is uh, Andre Iguodala. Sure. With him, he he has been. I think I read he's in California. He's not anywhere near Memphis right now. He's dying he's to be bought out, right? He he's dying to be bought out. But Memphis is sort of playing chicken with everyone. Uh, they don't necessarily need to buy him out. They they're also not too terrible. (laughs) And his salary is 17 million. So if for some reason they want someone wanted to up and trade for him, 
then Memphis would get the assets. But if for some reason he gets past the trade deadline not being traded, and a lot of people are banking like the Clippers and the Lakers, hoping that he gets bought out and then they can sweep him, sweep in and get him at, at a minimum. But Memphis may just play chicken with everybody and say, no, we're just going to keep him on the books for the remainder of the season just because. Sounds like so. good business to me. <laughs> it does. I, it really does. Yeah. That's a team who understands who they are right now. Even if they sneak yeah. into the eight seed, understand what you are. Don't don't be rash. You don't have to. You just don't have if you're not the Clippers, don't be anybody else. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. understand it, what you are right now. Unless you're going to get a, a really yes. good benefit out of moving him, then just stay the course. And that team's a fun team to watch right now. I mean, uh, Morant is – Yeah. We're, we're going to have to have a, a series on some of these young kids because yep. uh, it, there are a lot of phenomenal young kids in the league right now. It's just fun to watch. Good stuff. They're gonna get some uh, big, big payday soon. We'll be there. We'll be here for it. Thanks, Scott. Yep. All right. My thanks to Scott Allen for joining the show, talking NBA as always. My thanks to the Athletic. Really happy to have them on board this year. Not only with the uh, the forty percent off deal for you guys, but also tons of articles all over spotrite.com, Every team page, every player page, the most recent articles that come with that team, um, and we'll have that all year. We've we've uh, we've locked in a nice partnership with them all year. We're super happy about, about that, and it's something I use every single day. I go to my site, which I'm already doing work on, and I see an article sitting into the in the sidebar that looks interesting or generally talks about money because they talk about a ton of money as well. And I click, and I'm gone for an hour and a half reading an article. So I'm really happy to have that from a personal standpoint, of course. Hope you guys are too. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotlight.